Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. It's possible to manifest anger appropriately in the face of injustice and the defamation of holy things. Anger is both a necessary and an appropriate response. There is a place to express anger when injustice has been perpetrated, but you need to make sure that you have perceived that injustice correctly. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger is not a sin, but when it's not handled correctly, it can quickly lead to it. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd, And today, Philip DeCourcy brings us to the book of Proverbs and provides some guidelines on handling anger with biblical wisdom. It's the start of an important lesson titled, Keeping Your Cool from the series That Makes Good Sense. And you'll find helpful resources and read alongside this study in Proverbs by visiting ktt.org. Here's Philip. A little girl was showing her friend around her parents' house when her friend noticed in the bathroom a set of scales. She had never seen scales before, and so she asked the little girl what they were. And her little host replied, I don't know what they are, but my mom and dad use them every day. And all I know is this, when you stand on them, they make you very angry. Well, it seems today it doesn't take much to get people mad, does it? In fact, sadly, our time has been designated recently as the age of rage. The age of rage. There is mounting evidence that Americans are becoming angry, short-tempered, nasty people from road rage to airplane rage, from domestic violence to violence at youth sports events. The media have been reporting an increase of vicious emotional outbursts on an unprecedented scale. Do you know that every year in America, 14 men are killed by soft drink vending machines? Because these guys get so ticked off with the machine because it hasn't either given them their due change or given them their proper pop. And so they shake the machine violently until it falls over on them and crushes them to death. In fact, I caught last night on the internet, came across the wires from the Associated Press that just a couple of days ago, a 52-year-old man in Manhattan, New York, has been arranged on a charge of animal cruelty for which he could be sent up for one year. And the charge relates to the fact that he bit off the head of his rooster because he believed it injured his pigeon. Can you believe that? The guy actually bit off the head of his rooster. This is an age of rage. People are finding it very hard to keep their cool, to keep a rein on their emotions. And therefore, we would do well to turn to the ancient wisdom of the book of Proverbs because here we find the wisdom writers of Israel reminding this up-and-coming generation of leaders of their need in the art of diplomacy and even war of keeping their cool. There are admonitions throughout this book 
to keep your cool. Look at Proverbs 17, 27. He who has knowledge spurs his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. There's an art to keeping your cool. Wisdom will inform us as to how. In Proverbs 29 and verse 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. The book of Proverbs extols the virtue of showing restraint, of hemming in your emotions, especially as it relates to something that would agitate your anger. In fact, the verse that we read by way of introduction, Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city must have packed a punch to the young men that read it. Because remember, these are young lions. These are emerging leaders. These are the warriors and diplomats and rulers of Israel. This was a day in which a military prowess was exalted and cherished. And yet these young men who would eventually lead the nation and command the armies of Israel, they were being told here that it is better to exhibit self-control than to control others, either individually or as nations, through brute force. These warriors and brave young men of Israel were being reminded that they needed to learn to subdue themselves before they conquered anything or anyone else. It's a powerful verse. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules the spirit than he who takes a city. Well, that being the case, let's look at the subject of anger. Let's look at what I call the mood of anger. The mood of anger. Anger is the inflammation of your emotions. In fact, the Hebrew word that is most often used for anger, is a word that can be literally translated nose. It's the Hebrew word af. And perhaps it's such the case because anger is associated with a reddening of the face, and it is associated with a flaring of the nostrils. In fact, over in the New Testament, there's a Greek counterpart to this. In John eleven thirty three, the Lord Jesus is moved emotionally with regards to Lazarus's death. And the Bible says that he, he literally snorted like a horse, is the Greek. The Lord snorted. It's a very picturesque word of this powerful emotion. Anger, then, is the inflammation, the flaring up of our emotions. And I want you to know right out the gate that this emotion of anger has its proper place in its proper proportion. I want to tell you that in a certain set of circumstances, given a certain um, expression of it, anger is natural and it is God-given. And we shouldn't be frightened of it in that set of circumstances. It's natural and it's God-given. See, God has displayed anger properly and proportionately. I won't take you to the references. There are many throughout the Old Testament, Exodus 4, verse 14, and Deuteronomy 29, 27, and 28 being two examples. And if we were made in the image of God, 
We are rational, emotional beings patterned after God himself. You can imagine that there is a context in which you and I might express this inflammation of our emotions, this, this outburst of anger. And if we do it properly and we do it proportionally, it's natural, it's God-given, and it is not sinful. In fact, let me define anger for you. I took this definition from Robert Jeffries' book on Proverbs. He says this, anger is a natural, physical, and emotional reaction to perceived injustice. It's a great definition. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional reaction to perceived injustice. Now, I'm going to look at helpful anger, and I'm going to look at hurtful anger here quickly. But I want you to just camp on that definition for a moment, because there are two things you need to take from it so that you do not misdiagnose your anger in calling it good when it's bad or calling it bad when it's good. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional reaction to a perceived injustice. I want you to see that anger must be expressed in matters of moral wrong. What is it that agitates our anger when it's proper and righteous? Injustice. It's important that you circle that idea. Frustration over someone's idiosyncrasies is not justified anger. It's not injustice. It's just a matter of difference. The matter must be one that not only offends you, but offends God if it's to be proper and righteous. It's got to be a defined, biblically understood injustice. I want you to understand something else quickly here about that definition. You need to understand that when you react in anger, naturally, physically, emotionally, to an injustice, he wants us to understand that it is a perceived injustice, and that's an important word. Therefore, if you and I are going to react righteously in anger, our perception has to be very good. We need to make sure that this is an injustice, that we've got all our facts straight. And that sometimes can be difficult considering the fact that our hearts are desperately wicked and deceptive. And therefore, we can become blind to our own sins and jaundiced to the sins of others. And therefore, sometimes we can act in anger out of ignorance or self-righteousness because our perception has been twisted. And so we must always be on our guard when it comes to expressing our anger. There is a place to express anger when injustice has been perpetrated, but you need to make sure that you have perceived that injustice correctly. So what about this mood of anger? Well, there are two expressions of anger. There's one that's right and there's one that's wrong. There's one that's perceived injustice correctly and there's one that's perceived injustice incorrectly. The book of Proverbs hints at the fact that there are two categories of anger. Proverbs 14 verse 29 Look at it, Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, and he who is impulsive exalts folly. The fact that wisdom dictates that you come to a slow boil concerning anger, by implication, doesn't rule out the possibility that there is a point at which your anger boils over and it can be righteous and it can be right. You've just got to be slow, you've got to be perceptive, and you've got to be moved to anger by a injustice that not only offends you, but offends God. But if you're not careful, you can be impulsive, you can be self-centered, and you express your anger, but it's not a righteous anger. 
Let's talk about helpful anger just for a moment. I need to move quickly. There is a right and righteous expression of anger. As we have said, it's patterned after God. And I would add to that, it's prompted in us by the very Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to turn to it, but you know in John chapter 2, verse 13, that the Lord Jesus Christ expressed anger at the fact that his father's house, which was a house of prayer, had been turned into a bank and the money exchange. And his emotions were inflamed. He perceived correctly that this was a moral wrong. And the Lord Jesus Christ drove the money changers out of the temple. And he shows us the possibility that you can be angry and not sin. In fact, that's what we're told to do in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and sin not. It is possible to be angry and not sin. It means that not all anger is sinful. It means that there is a holy and a helpful anger. Jesus shows us it. Paul shows us it. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 16, we find him agitated is the Greek, irritated, um, stirred in his emotions to a point where his anger was aroused as he looked out across the great metropolis of Athens. And as he took in the sights and the sounds, his soul was stirred at the thought of the idolatry that had infected this city. One of the great cities of the world was infected by idolatry on God's earth. And this holy minister The Apostle Paul was brought to a state of agitation and moral aggravation. And you know what? It was a proper expression of anger. It's possible to manifest anger appropriately in the face of injustice and the defamation of holy things. Anger is both a necessary and an appropriate response. Let me give you something to think about that I think will be helpful here, and we just have to treat this as quickly as we can. You can be angry and sin not when sin alone makes you angry. That is a great benchmark for you to think through your emotional reactions. Am I justified in an outburst of anger here? Well, if you want to be angry and sin not, ask yourself, is, is it sin that's angering you? Or have you just lost your own patience with other people? Is it a lack of love towards others that has you agitated? Is it a lack of trust in God's sovereignty that has you sorting out every wrong in the world and fixing everybody's lives for them? But you and I can be angry. In fact, we need to get angry over false doctrine over abortion, pornography, political correctness that breeds cowardly politicians, racism, drugs, drunkenness, poverty, terrorism, human rights violations, and a host of other things ought to agitate the righteous spirit of a holy man or a holy woman. It did in Jesus, it did in Paul, and it ought to in us. In fact, let me give you a quote here and we'll move on. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, said that he worked best when he was angry. That's a rather strange statement, isn't it? But let me quote him. He says this, I have no better remedy than anger. If I want to write, pray, preach well, then I must be angry. Then my entire blood supply refreshes itself. My mind is made king and all my temptations depart. There is such a thing as righteous anger. And by the way, it's more than fussing without cussing. The Sunday school teacher asked the class what was righteous anger. Little Johnny put up his hand and replied, being mad without swearing. No, that's not righteous anger. 
It's more than fussing without cussing. It's the Spirit of Christ in you reacting to a a moral injustice and a defamation of holy things. It's about God being offended and then you being offended. It's not about pettiness, peevishness, self-centered convenience or comfort related to us. Which brings me to the second thought, not only helpful anger, but hurtful anger. If there is righteous anger, conversely, there is unrighteous anger. If you can be angry and sin not, you can certainly be angry and sin. That's our greater danger. It would be a work of grace to produce in us an anger that doesn't sin. James warns us, doesn't he, in James chapter 1, verse 20, of the wrath of man that does not produce the righteousness of God. There is an anger that reflects the holy character of God, but there is an anger that's man-centered, that's selfish, that's peevish, and it does not produce the righteousness of God. It's a work of the flesh rather than a work of the Spirit. Let me give you six things to look out for. I'm just going to run down the list. But here's how you might be on guard, and here's how you might sort out your emotions as to know whether you're angry in a righteous way, or you're angry in a sinful manner. Number one, anger becomes sin when it rises quickly. Anger becomes sin when it rises quickly. Proverbs 14, 29, he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. You can bank on it nine times out of 10. When you react impulsively, you're going to react wrongly. You're not going to be able to exercise self-control impulsively. It will take prayer. It will take deliberation. You need to be careful about being aroused by some insufficient cause and flying off the handle. Anger becomes sin when it rises quickly. Secondly, anger becomes sin when it's out of control. You can be sure that you're not acting righteously when you're flying off the handle and you're not in control of yourself when you're going berserk. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool vents all his feelings. If you're just letting it all hang out on the living room floor, it's not righteous because a fool vents all his emotions. Number three, anger is wrong when it is unaccompanied by a spirit of forgiveness. When it's unaccompanied by a spirit of forgiveness. In Proverbs 19 and verse 11, what are we told? The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. An anger that is righteous will be slow to come to boil. And even when it comes to boil, it will be tempered by grace. But if you see an explosion of emotion that's unaccompanied by a spirit of humility and a tone of grace, it's likely that the anger is unrighteous. Number four, anger is wrong when it is a dominant feature of our lives. If you're angry all the time, bank on it, you're not righteous all the time. There is a time in each of our lives to express anger. But if you get a guy or you find a woman who's um, a ticking bomb, emotionally speaking, their anger normally will not be righteous. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. 
You see the phrase there, with an angry man? The term angry man in the Hebrew is a man given to anger. A guy who's just always blowing his lid. A person whose anger flares up at the least thing. It is not righteous anger. Number five, anger is wrong when it's accompanied by an argumentative spirit. Anger is wrong when it's accompanied by an argumentative spirit. Look at Proverbs 21, 19. We looked at this verse some weeks ago. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, that is an argumentative and angry woman. Those two things go together, argumentative and angry. And when you've got those two things going together, that expression of anger has no moral basis before God. There's a difference between speaking out of righteous anger and even saying strong words with that of a kind of anger that's vicious in its personal attack, cutting, belittling, and inflames unnecessary strife. Just give you one verse that's worth thinking about. Man alive, do we need to tattoo this to our minds? The beginning of strife, Proverbs 17, 14, is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. If someone keeps badgering, pouring, you know, kerosene on the fire in the terms of the words that they use, it's not righteous. Finally, anger is wrong when it is produced by unholy jealousy. Anger is wrong when it is produced by unholy jealousy. It's interesting. Look at the association of Proverbs 27 verse 4. Wrath is cruel and anger is a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? The evidence here is that jealousy can be one of the strongest emotions, but in its wake, you'll find wrath and anger. Now, righteous anger is a good jealousy towards God's glory. Remember what we said? Sometimes if we see a defamation of holy things, if we see the breaking of God's law, if we see the belittling of God's sinless, spotless son, that should cause in us a holy reaction. It's one thing to be angry with that kind of jealousy, but often it is a selfish jealousy that moves our anger. It's not about God's glory, it's about us. We want our way in the home. We want to dominate our wives. We want to keep our kids in their place. And so we express this overpowering anger that is not righteous. It's a work of the flesh. It's a sin, and it needs to be repented of. You're listening to Know the Truth and a message from Philip DeCourcy titled Keeping Your Cool from the That Makes Good Sense series. Access this complete study online at ktt.org. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to share the gospel with a world in need of truth through biblical teaching and preaching from God's Word. And we also want to equip other believers to live in the victory Christ offers us. And that's why each month we offer various resources in addition to our radio broadcast. This month, Philip has selected a book that's sure to encourage readers, whether they're new or seasoned Christians. It's titled, A Dozen Things God Did With Your Sin and Three Things He'll Never Do. Designed for the average believer who may feel unfit to serve God because of their sin, this book helps believers understand how God banishes our sin so that we can let it go too. If you or a friend could use some encouragement in your personal life or ministry, this book is for you. And you can request your copy today when you donate any amount to Know the Truth. Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. 
And while you're on the website, you'll find instructive and inspiring resources like Pastor Philip's Truth Matters devotional, which challenges believers to embrace God's unchanging Word in an ever-changing world and live each day for His glory. You'll also find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages so that you can stay up to date on all things Know the Truth and easily share the gospel message with others. And for easy listening on the go, download the KTT app or podcast. Just search the app or podcast store on your mobile device for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. And one more thing. If you've never reached out before, we'd like to welcome you with a free devotional from Pastor Philip. Learn more at ktt.org. Well, as you're preparing for the weekend tomorrow, we hope you'll take time out to hear another message from Proverbs. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back Friday for Philip DeCourcy and Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> <laughs>